Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis, where we invite you into honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season three. Hey friends, welcome to episode 26 of the Let's Get Real podcast, season three. Woo-hoo. You guys, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Well, today we're talking about forgiveness, so hold on to your seats. But <laughs> before we launch into that, I want to uh, celebrate big time Justin's book, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect, released, has it been two weeks ago, three weeks? It's been a month ago, a little over a month ago, October 3rd, 2023. We've had a lot going on with the book. It's been amazing. (laughs) And uh, Justin hit number 18 on the USA Today bestseller list, which is awesome. And then explain to me the ECPA. Okay. So the USA Today measures every week. Okay. So it's a weekly total of book sales. Okay. So there's a different list every single week, depending on how your book does, right? Gotcha. Well, the ECPA is the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association. I think so. I just made that up. I don't know if that's true or not, but I I think that's what it stands for. And it measures by the month. Ah. Okay, that's awesome. For the month of October. Justin hit number 23. And it's all books. Yeah. It's it's, it's every every Christian book. Not just a genre. Yeah. And what was really cool about it, you guys, is... Um, If you're not familiar, Lisa Turkhurst, um, she endorsed our first book 10 years ago. Um, And if you don't know who she is, I would definitely look her up. She has written a million books. Um, But recently, the past couple of years, she has shared her marriage story of her marriage kind of falling apart and then restoration happening and then it really falling apart again. And she has a fantastic book. all about forgiveness. But what was so cool, and I, the reason I tell you that, is on the list, Justin is right next to Lisa's book. Oh, so it was so just cool. really fun to see, like, I didn't even notice that. That full circle uh, moment of, you know, just Lisa being on there. So it just, it's just been super, super exciting. And just this reminder beyond books or sales or whatever that. God is always using our story, and sometimes it's over a cup of coffee, and sometimes it's, you know, in a book format, but man, God could just really use anything. And as we say on the Let's Get Real podcast all the time, that Justin and I are the poster children of <laughs> just all the things. So if you haven't read the book, I encourage you, you can find it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And really the premise of the book is how transparency Nope. Yep. Yep. How transparency leads to transformation. transformation. I was so close. <laughs> but it it really is a segue into what we're talking about of forgiveness because really your book, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect, I would say is like your lifelong calling mission of your own story of living in truth. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about forgiveness today, really that is the beginning to even start in the forgiveness process is being a person of truth. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we are constantly trying to improve things. And so we launched the Let's Get Real podcast uh, season one, kind of out of a season of brokenness for us, like just wanting to have uh, an avenue by which we can connect with people who want to be real in their life, want to be authentic. And as we have continued to grow as uh, communicators and podcast hosts. Uh, we sat down this year and we came up with kind of a plan for the year of, of content that we wanted to share with people. Mm-hmm. 
And so hopefully as you go back and look, if you're not a strategic person, you may not have even noticed this, um, and, or maybe we're not doing a good job of it, but we have a theme each month, and this month's theme for November is forgiveness. And it really is born out of our own story of experiencing it as a couple, but then also <laughs> God has given us multiple opportunities. Yeah. So uh, funny, as you said that, I you remember like back in the, I don't know, maybe other podcasters do it when they like announce something and then there's a button you can press and it's like, hooray. <laughs> I feel like uh, the topic of forgiveness is so heavy that I like, I wish we had like a, it's going to be okay. A confetti button for the podcast. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> for that topic. As we dive in, can you think of like when you were a little kid, the first time you ever needed forgiveness or had to ask for forgiveness? I mean, repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> My sister and I are the two oldest, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek. We need to have her on the podcast. We There'd do. be some fun stuff. But we would we would literally fight like cats and dogs, and there was no like don't touch your sister. It was like you know knock down drag outs. Didn't you and like throw a fork at her at one point or she throw it at you? She threw a fork at me, <laughs> stuck it into my <laughs> thigh, and then I threw a shampoo bottle at her. Um, so, but that was like, that was late. Like I was a freshman in high school. She was in seventh grade at that time. But I can remember as a kid, um, my parents would sit us down in chairs across from each other. Oh yeah. I remember you telling me the story. And we would have to look at each other until someone apologized. <laughs> And so it, forgiveness wasn't something that was flowing freely. It was something that was forced and manufactured in my mm-hmm. life um, all throughout, you know, my childhood, either whether that be with my parents or um, with my sister. And I can remember my mom just saying, you're not getting up until somebody says, someone says they're sorry. And so I can, I don't really remember authentically being sorry. Yeah. Growing up, yeah. I remember saying I'm sorry, but not necessarily desiring forgiveness or or offering forgiveness in a real authentic way so it's more like a stepping stone to get out of trouble yeah okay like on a percentage who of you and uh his sister's name's meredith i call her we all call her meddy who who like usually went out you or med oh a hundred percent me (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just joking my sister is more bullheaded and more stubborn than i am and uh, she listens to this podcast, so I hope that you hear <laughs> They're that. They're super close, so um, I feel like you could say that. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would, I would want to go and do other things. Mm. And I had a life she didn't. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're gonna, we're gonna have, need some forgiveness. We're, we're gonna edit that out. Yeah. For me, the first time I remember, I'm sure there was plenty of other times, but like what distinctly I remember is my family went on to this magical vacation to this magical place that is not Disneyland. It is Wisconsin Dells. And we went there. It had to be whenever like the original Star Wars, maybe movie two or movie three came out. They had these like incredible like replicas of all of the different characters. It was amazing. But don't laugh at me. What was so amazing about this vacation is at the hotel we stayed at. It was the first time I was introduced to a feathered pillow. Like it was a real feathered pillow. Thinking about it now, you've been a pillow diva for a very. Long I really time. have, and you guys, I, I thought it was like the best thing in the whole world, and so I stole it. <laughs> and the whole way home, I think it was like nine. I'm living with a felon. <laughs> I was so. What's like, the statute of limitations on stolen oh pillows from a hotel? I was like wrought with, I, I just I felt so awful and such a hum, awful human being, 
But like you, like yours came out of like, was something you had to do to get to the freedom of what you wanted to get done. For me, I apologized strictly out of being a rule follower. There was no understanding of like repairing. It was just, I had done something wrong and I needed to apologize and own what I needed to own. So I think for all of us, like if you're listening to this podcast, just take a minute and think about when is the first time that you can remember just asking for forgiveness or maybe even offering forgiveness. I, can you think of a time where you like offered forgiveness as a kid? As a kid? Hmm. No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I got bullied so much. I got beat up a lot. I got um, I was, just, I had a, I, I'm really up until probably my freshman or sophomore year of high school, I just had a miserable child. I don't, I mean, I, looking back, like I can see like bright spots, like I had fun in some ways, but I mean, my, my childhood was, was just miserable. And so I don't remember, I mean, my dad would apologize all the time for, you know, abusing me, abusing my mom. Um, I mean, I was just, I was just grew up in a really volatile household. And so, I would say, I forgive you. I would say it's okay. And I, so I guess, I guess I was in kind of this pattern of looking back on it now and knowing what I know at 50 years old, I was like an enabler, you know what I mean? Like Mm. I, forgiveness was an enabling of the next bad choice, uh, with my dad. Man, I, I don't. I wasn't expecting you to make me uh, emotional, but oh, I'm just, sorry. No, no, that, no, I just. But I think, you know, as we kind of transitioned to, into our story a little bit, I think I brought that mindset into our marriage. You know, we've been married for 28 years, and those of you that have been around, you you know that forgiveness is a huge part of our story. Um, but I think it for me, it apologizing to you, I don't necessarily, there were times that I was authentically wrong and authentically sorry and, and very remorseful. But I think most of the time for the first 10 years of our marriage, I just apologized to, to make conflict go away. Not necessarily because I was sorry or because I even understood what remorse or repentance or, you know, seeking forgiveness for reconciliation even was. Yeah. I, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I'm like now reminiscing over my parenting of our, you know, five kids over the past two decades and, you know, how I shaped them. I I mean, I think our adult kids now would say that they understand forgiveness from the lens of which we talk about it. But like, I'd be interested in asking them, which I think they're all going to be on the podcast in December. In, in December, we're going to talk about parenting, which would be interesting. <laughs> uh, well, we'll put that down as a question. But I think you just tapped into what so many people think of forgiveness. They think of it, for many of us, it's just like this something that we have to do and get done in order to move to the next thing, rather than forgiveness really being an anchor to our how we get to live like through the conduit of forgiveness and how it it frees us to live um, free from bitterness and resentment and um, just all of the things that come the baggage that we take on when we don't forgive. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things that I, that may, people may not know about you is that you're a middle child, and <laughs> um, 
all the middle children listening are like, yes, we finally made it onto a podcast. One of the wounds or one of the repeated themes I feel like you've kind of shared with me and shared with others is not feeling like you have a voice, right? And part of that is being a middle child because, you know, the oldest is the loudest and the, the youngest is the most adored. And we all know Frankie is the most adored in your That's family. my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you had a kind of a predisposition of wanting to feel heard and known and understood just because of even birth order, right? Take, mm-hmm. a, take all relationships out of the equation. But I think now knowing you, you're a very forgiving person. But when did you realize or when did you think you really started struggling with forgiveness? Because I think one of the, one of the things of being a person of truth that we talked about, you know, at the very beginning was just recognizing, man, this is an area of struggle for me. When did you feel like looking back either on our marriage or just in life in general, is there like a turning point of like, man, I really started harboring bitterness after this? I think as a middle child, uh, rule following, um, you know, self-inflated view of taking the high road. I, I do forgive easily. So I thought, cause I do, but it wasn't until our marriage completely imploded that I realized that I got like the first couple of steps of forgiveness, right. And it was authentically true. Um, (laughs) until we got to, no, it's true. You know, uh, I, forgiveness is kind of like if authenticity is your life message, forgiveness is obviously mine. And, you know, I have been studying forgiveness both in scripture, in books, and I'm still always learning about different perspectives of forgiveness, but I didn't understand it as a process. I, mm. I understood it as something you chose to do. And then once you did it, then, and this is where I went wrong, I had unspoken expectations of God and people. Mm. So you understood it more as an act of obedience. Forgiveness. I'm going to forgive because it is the right thing to do. Yeah. But maybe not necessarily of, of a process that you have to choose over and over again, not even for that person, but for you personally. I mean, theologically, that's kind of what we're taught because there is truth to that. You know, Jesus went to the cross to forgive us of our sins, but ultimately he went to the cross out of obedience to the father. Right. And so to me, yeah, it was a slam dunk. Like it's just what you did to be a good person. Yeah. So when forgiveness, when choosing forgiveness didn't yield the results of a lack of bitterness, how did you reconcile that? Well, I spiraled out for a little bit. (laughs) Um, I honestly, it was probably you know, with our story of being, you know, separated in so much loss in that. We've talked a lot about that aspect of our story. But for me, the other like earth shattering, soul crushing part was I had thought I had done it right for so long and then it blew up in my face anyway. So I'm just done choosing it. I think some of us who have felt, who have walked with God for a long time, if that describes you, maybe you can resonate with this. I think there is a kind of a self-righteous aspect of forgiveness. Like, I don't think you ever thought to yourself, God's getting a really good deal with me. But I do think that there was a, like you said, an expectation of I am choosing the right thing. This should yield the right result. 
And when that doesn't happen, then we forget about how much we've forget, been forgiven for. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's very hard to be a forgiving person if you don't live in a constant state of gratitude for God's grace. Because what I can do is I can look at my dad or I can look at other relationships that have wounded me and say, man, they're so freaking messed up. They, they don't, they don't deserve a relationship with me. And then I'll, even in that mindset, I forget about every single sin that I've been forgiven for and the righteousness that God has given me, not through my own works, but through his unmerited favor. And it's an, it's, it's an impossibility to live with a forgiving heart. If you also have entitlement. Yeah that this person owes me something. Well, and it's hard when the entitlement is like common sense goodness. You know what I mean? Like if I forgive you, then the response is going to be like repair. I remember being at a conference and listening to a prominent speaker. She just like went off about being, uh, uh, having a victim mindset. And I literally could like feel my blood boiling because I was just like, but you're not, you haven't experienced that. So who are you to say you shouldn't have a victim mindset? I mean, I was literally like, I just wanted to get up and leave or, you know, I was like coming undone. And it was this indicator to me that I was holding her words with so much weight that like I was what I was hearing out of my bitterness and resentment for areas in my life is that victim mentality means you need to forgive and forget. Hmm. That's what I love about Lisa Turkers's book where she said uh, the title is forgiving, forgiving what, what you, you can't, can't forget. forget. Yeah. There was just such she, that validation of just that title. But I think to kind of turn the conversation towards then what is forgiveness? I think what I have learned over the past 18 years since our marriage fell apart in the beginning, it was so disorienting. Like maybe God isn't who he said he is and maybe forgiveness isn't a real thing. And why freaking follow the rules if it's just going to blow up in my face. But what I didn't understand is there's another multi-layer aspect to forgiveness that goes beyond just what you are forgiving, but how to live forgiven and for me, it was this reality of acknowledging, and I think that's why that woman's message just rubbed me the wrong way, is we have to acknowledge our wounds. We have to be able to say, we were a victim in this. This was, this was hard. That, that was my reality. But I think her point was that we don't have to stay there. Yeah. Like the victim mentality is like, I can never get over this. I can never get better. But in the process of forgiveness, it was acknowledging my wounds. It's acknowledging our emotions that God, you know, and I think even this in the church gets confusing. Like, just pray about it. Don't be sad. Don't be happy. Don't be mad. Just, just pray about it and God will heal and restore. There is some truth about that, but our feelings are help us process like they are indicators of what is going in in our head and heart but they're not dictators of what we can do moving forward and so I think acknowledging grief and then after that comes anger and I think those are the pieces that come naturally like when someone upsets you I mean unless you're different the like 
response is just to get angry. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think for years I prided myself. I don't know if that's a word or not. I, I was proud of the fact that I would say, oh, I don't hold grudges. I, I don't really get angry. And I would kind of couch you as a scorekeeper, but I don't really keep score. I just get over it really fast. But I think I put myself on this pedestal of, yeah, I don't, I don't get angry or I don't keep score, but really it was more I avoided conflict. And I think both are dangerous, right? The avoiding conflict doesn't, it, it robs you of the process of forgiveness because you're not allowing yourself to experience the emotions that you need to experience in order to find healing. You just are avoiding that conflict altogether. And I think I saw that modeled growing up. And so it was easy, you know, to, to kind of adopt that in our, in our relationship and, and even in other relationships. And we were just talking about, <clears throat> we were just talking about this the other day of just, even as a pastor, I would say, well, I just, I'm just going to let that roll off, you know, be like a duck. Yeah. Be like a duck and yep. uh, water off a duck's back. I was trying to think of the phrase there. <laughs> Got it. Um, but it, it wasn't that I was absorbing it and then ignoring it. Mm. And, and I think that it played into my mental health. It played into my physical health. It played into my blood pressure. Like there was a lot of ramifications of that, that I had no idea was unacknowledged anger that then led to kind of, um, unrealized bitterness. Yeah. And I, and I think that kind of leads me, you know, if I can interview you for a second, for someone who's listening, married or unmarried, how do, how would someone know if they struggle with for, forgiving? Would that be maybe childhood wounds or relationship wounds or a boss or what are some indicators that people could look at in their own life and say, man, I'm a really bitter person. I think it, it's, it's twofold. I think there's a sifting and a caring that happens. Um, you know, you struggle with um, bitterness and resentment when you filter all of the relationships through that how that person hurt you. So there's a cautiousness to you. There is a belief that like you have to sift them through all the, you know, different areas that feel safe to you before you'll engage them in a certain way. And I think the second part is this the heaviness. Um, it was interesting, uh, Jess and I were speaking in, right outside St. Louis this past weekend, and a gal had came up to me, she had just finished her um, PhD, and her whole topic, she's um, a nurse, so I don't know what that is in the nursing world, but her main study was bitterness and resentment and how it physically affects you. And part of the studies that she um read about and learned about is how women specifically who struggle with bitterness and resentment have a higher rate of breast cancer. And she kind of walked me through the different ways, the neuropathic ways that we process our feelings and our emotions, and then how they become a physical manifestation of that, which like, just was this exclamation point to not only the sifting, but what we carry. Hmm. We're just tired all the time. Like um, it ruminates in your mind. Um, you're triggered by the smallest of things that it would be like a normal level one or two wound as we do as humans to each other. And always feels like a level 10 because you're carrying so much weight in that bitterness and resentment your capacity to hold space for other people is really hard. Yeah. Well, I, I remember when uh, the boys used to play upward 
Upward Sports, Upward Basketball. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the thing about Upward Sports is it's the Christian version of real sports, and they don't keep score. And every dad in that room kept score. <laughs> Right. I mean, there, there was not a father in the room that kept, that did not keep score and the kids kept score. And so we'd come out like, congratulations, nobody won. And the kids were like, no, we won. We won by 12, <laughs> you know, and everybody kept score, even though there was nothing on the scoreboard. And I think that is a lot of how our relationships work. Like we, we, we don't have a score on the scoreboard, but in our hearts, we have kept score. We know exactly how many times a coworker has slighted us or how many times a, a spouse has wounded us or how many times our mother or mother-in-law has, you know, broken our hearts. And so we do, we do keep score, but then we kind of say, no, I don't, I don't keep score. I say, mm-hmm. I think being honest with ourselves about our propensity to, keep score and to know exactly how many times people have wounded us is the first is one of the first steps to like breaking that cycle of, you know, not choosing bitterness. And I think, you know, just watching you go through that process, not just in our relationship, but with our kids and with extended family members and, and with, you know, people in the church, like we're constantly having to work that muscle. Mm-hmm. Right. It is a it is a skill. It is a muscle that we develop um, of choosing forgiveness over bitterness. And I think mm-hmm. that's why Jesus says 70 times seven, because it is a process to work out. It's not steps to, you know, it's not hoops to jump through. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of anger that <laughs> many of us, we become angry to the point where um we can get like rageful, even if we don't admit it, you know, but it, this is like the thoughts we think at night of just how angry and just, Oh, if I could have done it different. So you have the sifting, you have the carrying, but what Jesus calls to is the processing and it's honoring the wound. It's honoring the, the, the process of grief, um, which even within grief, there, you know, are multiple stages of grief and they're not in any specific order, you know? So in some of us, stay in pockets of grief longer than the other, but it is a process. And so that anger piece is really where we start to change the conversation of it being something we don't have to carry and something we don't have to sift through, but we get to process through righteous anger. Hmm. And righteous anger is different than um, malicious anger because righteous anger is what breaks the cycle of insanity. You know, it's like, you feel like, man, I keep, they called me and I'm just having the same conversation over and over again. I'm getting upset about the same thing over and over again and doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. And God has given us the gift of righteous anger. Righteous anger is when we recognize either our behavior is wrong or the behavior that was done to us is wrong. And we have another choice that we don't have to live with bitterness and resentment, but that we have another choice to live in the posture of brokenness. That is so good. And I think that's what makes forgiveness so complex is we feel these emotions and somehow we have been conditioned, especially in the church, to think that anger is a sin or, you know, if I, if I am feeling grief, then I just need to get over it. I just need to be happy. I just need to, to, to buck up and, and, and not feel so sad. And I think there's a complexity there of allowing ourselves to feel those emotions and know that it's not until we acknowledge those emotions that then God can move us past 
those mm-hmm. things, yeah. right? And, and allow us to, to choose something different, as, as you just said. And I think, you know, when we, just speaking from a, in a marriage relationship, if you are married, one of the most complicating things about forgiveness is the person who you love the most wounds you the most. Why? Because they have the greatest proximity to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's because they are so close to you that those wounds affect us so much. And so it becomes so hard to give your spouse a clean slate because they wound you so often. Right. Because they you love them so much. And so I think there's a complexity there, especially in the marriage relationship that um, exists. And and then you don't start at a level two with that person. You start with at a level eight. Because yeah. those things aren't resolved and they aren't forgiven. And so, you know, you you react out of the former wounds rather than out of a mm-hmm. of, of a new, you yeah. know, relationship that you're that we're supposed to be choosing. And so it can get really, really um, complicated. Well, and that's the process of brokenness, right? Brokenness is a posture that we choose to offer for that forgiveness. And really, as a person of faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that when we offer that forgiveness, it's in that offering that we find agency of what is ours to own in a situation and what is not ours to own. Yeah, It gets rid of the blind anger, and it's a posture to say, God, like, give me the 30,000-foot perspective and then help me figure out my choices. And so forgiveness isn't the finish line. Forgiveness is the starting line to be able to move forward in a relationship that may need to end. Like forgiveness is free. Trust is earned. And I think for many people, the thought of forgiving feels like they're getting getting away with something, but forgiveness doesn't excuse a person's behavior. Forgiveness doesn't allow their behavior to destroy your heart. It doesn't allow you to stay, you know, in this cocoon of bitterness and resentment that really starts to like keep you from the life that God has called you, but it is a process. So you may wake up and I think the most common question I get from men and women over the past 18 years is how do you forgive and why do I feel like I need to forgive again? Yeah. Well, I think there is a confusion, a natural confusion between forgiveness and trust, right? And you just said forgiveness is free, trust is earned. How can a person who has been wounded or maybe is in a relationship, maybe it's not even a marriage, maybe it's a friendship, um, and that, that friend, you know, talked behind their back and kind of broke their trust, or maybe it's, a, you know, with a, a child or with a, with a parent. Um, how can we differentiate between forgiveness and trust and still keep appropriate boundaries in that relationship until that person has earned trust back. Yeah. I, you know, I said earlier that I, just when I feel like I completely understand forgiveness, I'm like, Nope, (laughs) here's another side of it. And I think the essence of forgiveness I have understood. Um, I think the process is always um, evolving because the person I was 18 years ago when our marriage fell apart isn't the person I am today. And same with the person listening. Like you may have a really old wound that you've never forgiven, but you're not that person anymore. So it goes back to that agency of like, what is mine to own and what is mine not to own? And in in the process of forgiveness, 
it's separating forgiveness and trust, but trust is a process. Forgiveness allows you to have clarity how to move forward in a way that's not enabling, in a way that's not allowing you to get ran over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that doesn't um, that keeps you from carrying and sifting. Yeah, like it, it's that posture of like whatever it takes, and that whatever it takes especially with relationships, especially like if you're listening and something was done to you and you, there's like there sin never makes sense. So there are some areas we need to forgive that in your mind may never find redemption. You know, like when people, I know everybody's going to roll their eyes when they hear this. Cause I've done it, you know, um, God will use this for his good, which <laughs> it is true. Yeah. But what they don't say is you're going to have to fight like hell for it. Right. Well, and I think we, we can say God is going to use it for his good, but that doesn't excuse or it doesn't um, minimize the healing journey we have to go on. Right. Like just because God is going to use something for his glory doesn't mean that we still don't have to process and pursue wholeness and healing in our own heart. Mm -hmm. Both of those things can be true. Right. And, and so I think one of the things that maybe we've done in our life is we've minimized our own need for healing just because we are trying to pursue God's glory. And both of those things are important. Um, as we kind of close out, one of the things that I, I feel like is really important to distinguish and really talk about is the difference between forgiving someone and reconciling with someone. Cause I think that that hangs a lot of people up. We, I think that that's, that's been a hang up for you. Um, in in your relational world or your relational life. Mm-hmm. And so talk about how we can differentiate between the need to forgive and maybe not the relationship being reconciled. Yeah, great question. No, <laughs> just kidding. I mean, what I am currently learning, and this, this is why like our childhood wounds and, and really addressing our inner child is so important because my rule following, um, ridiculously enabling loyal, uh, younger me would have responded to this question so differently. And I've had to learn what is mine to own and what is mine not to own. And so I am learning that I have to, I'm the only one that can choose to forgive in a broken relationship. They can choose to forgive me, but they can't choose forgiveness for me. Yeah. And so that is mine to own. Um, When it comes to reconciliation, reconciliation is different than forgiveness because forgiveness, you can offer it regardless of how the person responds. Reconciliation takes two people. Hmm. And we can reconcile without forgiving. We see this all the time, especially in couples they just, you know, they're afraid of going to the dark places and calling them out. Um, we see this in family units all the time. Like, we're just not going to talk about it. We're just going to move on and we're just going to reconcile that it is what it is. Yeah. And then a couple months, a couple years down the road, it explodes massively with, you know, disastrous consequences. And so you can actually reconcile without forgiveness. But... When you choose forgiveness as the starting point, reconciliation, you you can reconcile with the clarity 
of what are healthy boundaries and what are unhealthy boundaries. Yeah. And you grow in it. You grow in your compassion. You grow in your empathy. And then you also grow, and this is from a, you know, uh, whatever you want. I'm trying to find the word for it. Like Clinical? No, um, like self-professing, rule-following loyalist who I just thought that was just like, get on my level. I'm going to be the best <laughs> friend you've ever met, which is true. But I try to reconcile relationships without forgiving relationships. And mm. when our marriage fell apart, that's when I realized that I wanted to reconcile more because I needed them rather than having agency to know like no one will ever be able to fill all of those voids except for Christ in my life. Yeah. And that when I love out of that posture, it comes back to the core that you opened up with that Jesus went first to help us go second. Yeah. Like he did die for our sins, but the story doesn't end on the cross. Like he walked out of the grave, and then what did he do? He went back to friends who were not available to him when he was being beaten up and thorns being placed in his head and he was being mocked. Like, they didn't show up until, like, the very end. Yeah. You know, he, he and yet, even after forgiveness was offered, he looked for repair through that reconnecting with them. Well, I, was, I, I, I love that perspective because I think there are times where we can offer forgiveness and sometimes that is immediate, right? Like we need it to just offer it, but then reconciliation takes time. And I think I'm going to, in, I'm going to in between, like I, I, in, in some, in, in a few relationships where I have authentically forgiven and I don't feel resentful, but I don't feel ready to reconcile fully. I don't feel ready to trust fully. And I think I, I think that sometimes we can feel guilty or we can shame ourselves of like, man, if I was really a strong follower of Christ, I would be, I would, all of this would come into place. And I think sometimes the most irresponsible thing we can do is to short circuit that reconciliation process um, because then it just puts us in, it puts us in, proximity to people that may not be safe yet. And I think, you know, if you're looking for some uh, resources on this, uh, Henry Cloud has a book called Trust that just came out, and he also has a book called Boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think both of those uh, books would be helpful if you're trying to walk through the process of forgiveness. But I think, you know, that reconciliation piece, um, you know, Jesus did choose to forgive us regardless of our response. But in order to be reconciled to God, we have to choose him. He, he did choose us, and that is forgiveness. But reconciliation, like you said, it involves us choosing him. And I think, um, thanks for distinguishing that, because I think a lot of people really struggle to differentiate those two things in their life. Um, and we want to not just have this one conversation. And so this month, uh, we're going to be focusing on forgiveness on the podcast and in our newsletter. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, you can go to refineus.org and right on the homepage, you can sign up for the newsletter. And we're going to be offering some more uh, resources through the newsletter this month. We're also going to have um, a marriage and family therapist, Christina or Krista Harden. And uh, she wrote a book called The Enneagram in Your Marriage. 
she talks a lot about reconciliation. It's kind of that's the whole purpose of the of the Enneagram is to be reconciled. And so if, if reconciliation is something that you struggle with, we're going to offer uh, a bonus episode next week with her. And her new book is titled The Enneagram in Your Marriage. And then our next episode uh, after after Krista's episode which will be the third week of November, is our good friend Jason Romano. And Jason is a former ESPN producer. He produced my favorite ESPN show of all time called The Mike and Mike Show, uh, which no longer exists, sadly. But he's also an author, and he's the host of Sports Spectrum. He shares a powerful story of forgiveness outside of a marriage relationship. It's actually with his father. And so we hope that this month, as you go into the holidays, we're going to equip you uh, before you need it, hopefully, uh, to exercise the muscle of forgiveness. So thanks for joining us on this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.